Hey, man, and welcome to another episode of Quality Manhood, a show meant for Christian men seeking to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of your hosts for the show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, Kellen Allen. What's happening, guys? And again, just me and you. It's just us. There's Not nobody else in studio. So uh, hopefully you guys liked the last episode where it was just us, where we were talking about our testimonies. If not, well, I'm sorry about you. You're uh, in for another 20 minutes of of Kellen and I. But uh, we're here to talk about vanity. Not vanity like you stand in front of the mirror and you're making sure that your hair is quaffed. Do you like that word quaffed? I don't have hair, so I lost it. That's true, dude. Your time in front of the mirror is short, isn't it? It's just... Putting the do you wax that that dome or is it just like yeah I put a little, little lotion on it you so got it yeah get flaky some anti glare powder or anything like that on there no not, none of that no there's not a lot of work I just can get up and go yeah yeah well we're not talking about that kind of vanity we're talking about the vanity in this episode that comes through in the book of Ecclesiastes uh, the vanity that that Solomon who's the author of Ecclesiastes in in chapter one verse two right off the bat you gotta love a book that just hits you in the face right away. Right away. It's vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Which got us thinking about things that people live for and things that people value and think are important in this life, like uh, the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah. Um, and some of the ridiculous records there are. Kellen came across uh, some of these wor- just absurd records. Kellen, wh- what's one of them that, that maybe stood out to you from that list? One, the first one I have to say is, there is a man that removed 70 socks from other people's feet in one minute Gross. while blindfolded. No. Yeah, don't. I'm not doing it. And no. like how that even got into somebody's mind of like, I want to break a record. I want to take socks off other men's feet. And I, I mean, I guess. How many? How many was it? 70 in one minute. Why while, is the world record not one on that one? <laughs> like somebody else hit 69 that he yeah. had to go to 70? Yeah, he's like, I'm going to top that. And so, I mean, it's just like. How do you even think of that? I have no idea why you would think of that. It's like some, he just wanted to be in a record book. Uh, but you, did you see one on there? I know there's others too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like this one, uh, Casey Musgraves, who's a country music, I guess, musician, singer. Uh, she set a world record title for having the world's largest display of coloring pages. Uh, her display weighed 500 pounds and had 1,500 coloring pages. And I hate to break it to Miss Musgraves, but uh, my kids, I think they produce that amount of coloring pages in a, in a day. Oh, easy. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure if I grabbed all of them from the different places in our home and, and taped them up, I would have over 15,000 coloring pages. Yeah. Yeah. You should uh, get in the record book. You got five kids, so you can, you can do it with I, those. I don't want that record. <laughs> and I don't know why she wanted that record, but apparently she did. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I got another one here that says, more than 2,000 people set a record by linking arms while giving a toast. So linking arms wasn't good enough. Let's give a toast at the same time, and we get a record. This is absurd. You can get a record for anything, can't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get a record. I'm, I'm thinking of one right now. I'm going to go stand on my roof on one leg um, singing Just the Two of Us by Will Smith <laughs> and uh, back to last episode. drinking a Sprite with my left hand. Dude, that, I'm pretty sure you would get that world record. Yeah. I don't think anybody else has done that. But it, you would get that, and then somebody else would be like, dude, I'm going to drink two Sprites right. while doing that and with I, my left hand. And it's done. Which is Solomon's point. Yes. Vanity of vanities, it's all vanity. Yep. Like, enjoy your world record for 10 seconds until somebody else who has no else, nothing else better to do is scanning a website like we are right now and goes, I'm going to beat that. I'm going to beat that world record. Some of them are legit, like... This runner, Elliot Kipchoge, who set a world record for complete, completing a marathon in less than two hours. That's impressive. That's, that's safe. 
Like, I'm not going to read that and be like, dude, I've got that. Don't yeah. worry about it. I'm going to get an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, that's, that's, pushing, that's pushing death, like yeah. I feel like. Like, you're going to collapse if you try to beat that record. Yeah, like, he's good on that. Yeah. He's good. But, I'm, man, let's, let's – uh, dude, I'm not doing the socks one. That's just – that's too far. But I feel like we could get 2001 people to link arms and uh, toast something. What about let's let's do a podcast record? Maybe we go for twenty hours on this podcast instead of twenty minutes. No, we want listeners. Oh <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. that's right. I thought we just, wanted a record. We're just gonna let let it go. We'll we'll circle back to our first episode ever, our episode on dead air, and we'll just let it record dead air for just go. two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but honestly, guys, I mean, people. Some people live for this stuff. People are like, that's that's what gives me my identity is my world record or. You know, maybe for you guys listening, it's your job, it's your position, it's your family, it's your prestige, it's your car that you're driving, it's your zip code, it's your whatever it is. And you think to yourself, this is where meaning and satisfaction is found. And that's why the book of Ecclesiastes is so poignant for us and so good, because it, it again, right off the bat, uh, the, the, the author, Solomon, he, he just cold cocks you and says, nope, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Uh, when we think about the book from a whole, it uh, often gets a bad rap in the yeah. church as a book that's just depressing. Why would you ever study the book of Ecclesiastes? Right. Oh, I don't know. Paul, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and yeah. useful, yeah. right? Or do we just only like the books that make <laughs> us feel comfortable on that regard? Yeah, it's, it's scripture, it right? Is. It's the Bible, God has included it for us in the canon for a purpose, to teach us something. And it's not just to teach us that your life is pointless and meaningless and vain, so give up. It's to teach us how we should live our lives uh, in light of the reality that life under the sun, as the author talks about, is not meant to satisfy us. Yeah, and most people don't get past the sort of punch in the face from the first verse you read. It's vanity, vanity, all is vanity. It's like, whoa, like I want to read that. But if you keep reading through the book, like, he explains the purpose. And if you have one aspect and one purpose for life and it's for yourself and what you desire and what you want to do and, you know, I want to get a job, I want to, you know, make a lot of money or I want to have a family and I want to do it for me, then, yeah, it's vanity. But then what he also talks about is, like, there's a lot of joys in life. There's a lot of blessings and a lot of gifts that God gives us in those same thing, the family, the job, and doing it for God is, there's a lot behind it, but most people don't get to that because they get knocked out by the first punch. They're like, okay, on to the next book. Right, yeah. right, exactly. In, in chapter two, in some ways, is, is a turning point. You get, chapter one, he's just, he's leveling the charge. It's the indictment against life under the sun, yeah. saying it's, it's, you're not going to find satisfaction here. He even says at the end of chapter, uh, chapter one, he says, this is from God. It's, right. a, it's a miserable task that God has given to the children of men, um, which is astounding that Solomon is saying, God has designed this world to disappoint you yeah. because he wants you to be satisfied with something bigger than this world. But then in chapter two, he lists everything that he's pursued and, and talks about all of his different accomplishments. And he's Solomon, right? It's not like this is some slouch on Skid Row that's all like, right. Dude, yeah, I've tried life and life's not satisfying. No, this is a guy that had anything he wanted at his fingertips yep. and tried it all and said, Man, if this is what you're living for, if you're living for happiness through relationships, through sex, through uh, your house, through your possessions, through your accomplishments, through your job, if that's what you're trusting in to make you happy, you're going to be disappointed. But as he pivots at the end of chapter two, if you see those things as what they're intended to be, which are gifts from God, then you can enjoy them and be driven to worship God in response to them. Yeah. The prideful thing that creeps into all of our minds is, 
well, well, just give me a shot at it. Like, what if let, let me have everything? And again, like, we would do the same thing. Uh, we look back at Adam and Eve, and it's like, well, if I were in Adam's position, I, I would have never done that. Like, I would have been like all <laughs> right, on top of right. my wife, and she would have never. St- yeah. We'd still be in Eden, right? Right? Yeah. And it's it's like, okay, that that's pride uh, talking, and, and this is exactly what the entire Bible talks about: is like we have to release that that pride factor, and we have to look at this and say, you know, Solomon. Yeah, to your point, he had everything. He, I mean, he had people flocking to him from other countries just to see his wisdom, just to see his riches, and they walked away just astounded, just blown away. Like, right. it's even bigger than. I thought right. Nobody's flocking to anybody just to see their wisdom around here. So no. uh, yeah, we we look at him, and even in like chapter three, he explains to us that you know there's a a season and a time for every ma- matter under heaven. It's like there's a time to to be born, a time to die, and you stop right there and realize I have zero control over when I'm born and when I die. Right. And a lot of that, a lot of the book just talks about God is sovereign. God's the one in control. And, you know, when we try to plan our lives, we want to plan for what we're going to do, how we're going to be successful, and what's the American dream. And Solomon's telling us, like, look, you can plan all you want. You're going to have ups and you're going to have downs. Those are unavoidable, unavoidable, but how, what's your mindset behind them? Like, are you looking that, that God has put this in your life and it's, it's going to help grow you? It's going to help sanctify you? Or are you going to say, like, I'm going to try to live life and not have any downs and then just be destroyed once, you know, something doesn't go your way? Right. And, and I mean, Ecclesiastes, part of the message is that God has designed this life to teach you. Sure. And he's teaching you what, yeah, Kellen, what you're just talking about, that he's sovereign, that he's the one in control. Uh, the other thing that, that Solomon does in chapter two is he comes to this realization of, he says, look, as I considered everything, he said, I realized that the same thing happens to the wise man and the fool. Yep. And that's what you were just hinting at, it, or, or not hinting at, saying, talking about it. death, right? The wisest among us die. The foolish, most foolish person among us dies. The most wealthy person in the world dies. The most poor person in the world dies. That is the, the ultimate leveling field for, yep. for everybody. And we have to ask ourselves the question, okay, in light of that, and in light of the fact that we can't control that, how should we then live? Yeah. Um, and the world understands that we can't control that. I mean, just a few weeks ago now at this point, when you're listening to this podcast, Kobe Bryant passed away, uh, died suddenly in a, in a helicopter accident, along with his 13-year-old daughter and another family that was involved in that, right? Yeah. And the world was rocked. I mean, they're canceling NBA basketball games. They're, they're, there's, there's you know memorials that are popping up left and right. People are going on and talking about this on social media, on the radio, on television. And there's this sense of like outrage. And I think what they're mad at is they realize we can't stop that. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that even in that situation when it happened, it's like, I thought Kobe would never die. And so we get this 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 sort of invincibility complex of like Kobe was never supposed to die. And yeah, Kobe was. He's part of the statistic. A hundred percent of people mm-hmm. that are born into this earth will die. And it's it's a fact. And um when you have people that are so stunned by that, and it's okay because, yeah, he did a lot, but to say that I thought he would never die, like, you know, it just shows us. And it's, it, I look at it as God's trying to get us, get our attention of saying, like, I'm in control. Like, right. you know, even somebody as high profile as Kobe, it doesn't matter to God. Like, right. God's not looking, and we talked about it on our last episode a little bit, like, God's not looking at Kobe and saying, like, man, you scored 81 points, you got something to offer me. Like, he doesn't care. He's no different from, you know, a baby that was just born. Yeah. Uh, we're all sinners, and we're all gonna die, and, 
you know, this life is not going to fulfill us. We're always going to be wanting more, and what we're going to be wanting more of is, is what's in heaven, and he expects us to look up and be able to say, like, you know, there, I, I long for something more, and, you know, chapter 3 talks about uh, God putting eternity on every man's heart. It's like, we want something more, and yeah. God has that, and he's trying to give it to us and trying to show it to us, but more often than not, we just continue to, like, try to control it ourselves, and that never works. It's all vanity to this point. Right. Right. Psalm 139, uh, there David says of the Lord, he's talking about God's sovereignty, and he says, you have numbered every one of our days before even one of them came to pass. Right. So we are born with our death on the calendar, Mm. Um, and that day is immovable. You know, Jesus even said, who by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? Mm -hmm. Well, nobody can. That's the implication there. That's out of our control. And death is not something that we like to think about. It's not something we want to talk about. We only talk about it when we're confronted with it and it's unavoidable. Right. But Solomon is telling us, and such a huge part of the book of Ecclesiastes is death is inevitable. So that should force us to ask ourselves, so how should we live the life that we do have? Yeah. And that's really what Ecclesiastes is driving at. And he wants us to live our lives for the right things and make the right investments with how we live our lives. Um, and so many of us spend so much of our time on, on stuff that just doesn't matter. And I think that's something as, as men that we have to be confronted with as well, don't we? Yeah. Matthew six nineteen talks about, you know, just where we spend our time and, and what we're investing our time in. And, you know, are we investing it in time that has eternal value or something that, you know, moth and rust will destroy eventually? And, um, yeah, it it's so just convicting just to read this book and think about the things that we do every day in our lives, even from a job perspective. Um, you know, even when you're working at a job and most people are, when, when I talk to people, they say like, you know, I, I want to have my work time. And then when I, when I, when I leave work, then I go have my family time. And like, you know, then I have my, my Bible time in the morning. That's when I spend with God. It's like, no, that's not it. Like God has to be infused through everything that you do. You can't sit God aside and then say, I'm gonna go to work and then be a different person. Um, And because there is, that's where you start to get the frustrations of like, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do work and I'm trying to make that something separate than what, is a gift from God and glorifying God through my work, through my family. And really when you, when you put God there and you glorify him through all the gifts that he's given you, everything becomes a joy as Solomon talks about. Like you're still going to have your ups and downs. Like everything's not going to be great, but you start to see it in light of like, okay, God's given me this for a reason. Right. Instead of just like, okay, this is something that I earned my job and now I'm going to go try to make myself fulfill with that. Even like speaking of, Kobe, uh, just athletes in general, most of them get busy with the goal is to win a championship in sports. And so we grow up playing basketball or football on the street and we hit the last second shot and win the championship. And, you know, it's, it's all great. And you work your whole life. You practice from being five years old all the way up to like 25, 30 years old to win that championship. And if you see most people that win championships, they win it. And the first thing that they do is they say, cool. And people ask me, like, hey, what, so what do you want to do now? And it's like, I guess I got to go win another one. Right. And that's it, because it, it's gone. Like, you, you get celebration, and the next day it's like, okay, what do I do now? And so, you know, we can be busy with things, but, again, we want to be busy with things that have eternal value. Right. 
Right, just as a sidebar, just to take a shot at LeBron when I can. Ah, I knew that was coming. You remember when he was in Miami and didn't he hold up how many championships? One, two, three, four, five. He still he was, got time. Yeah, he still got. He got ah, three. He's yeah. got time. But it was him and Bosh and Wade, and they were all three of them together counting out the championships at the three of them. How many did they win together? They won two, but okay. still, I mean, it's uh, just checking, it's, just checking. But back to what we're talking about. <laughs> the, yeah, it, what what it does, and what what Kellen was just talking about there is when we live every sphere of our lives under the understanding that eventually we're going to die and we're going to stand before our creator and be accountable for the lives that we lived. What it does is it allows us to have joy and it allows us to have joy because it gives significance, which is what we're all after. Yeah. It gives significance to every sphere of our lives because when you're at work, you're not working for your 401k because you may die before you get to experience your 401k. Or you may, fine, you retire, you live, and your 401k supports you, but eventually you're going to die. And then what, what does your 401k matter at that point? Rolls Nothing. over to somebody and right. they, they might blow it in one day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it doesn't benefit you at all. Right. Right. You can't take it with you. So the significance is found in saying, well, I'm going to work hard not to build up a 401k, but I'm going to work hard because when I work hard, I know I'm honoring God. And there's an eternal reward that I'm building up through that. I'm going to love my family well, not just because I want to have a peaceful home. Yeah, that's a benefit to me. But I also want to love my family well because in loving my family well, I'm honoring God. I'm enjoying my family to the glory of God. And that is where I'm heaping up eternal rewards for myself. That is where uh, this does matter. And there is significance. That's what's going to transcend death. Um, Nothing else transcends death. Yeah. Yeah. And even as as Solomon sort of concludes the book... He kind of brings it all into perspective and just sums it up in the last four verses of, again, what's the point of this? Like, what should we do in light of, you're saying everything's vanity, what should we do? Um, and I, I love, you know, as we go to the end of chapter 12 and, you know, you look at verse 11 and, and 12 to start with, it says, the words of the wise are like goads. And goads are like these sharp spears that, uh, you know, you prod animals with to try to get their attention. And it's like Ecclesiastes is a perfect, illustration of a goad. It's like God's poking us, trying to get us our attention to look up and realize, yeah. yeah, we long for something else. And what we long for is in heaven. What we long for is exactly what he has um, and what we need to have when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we can we can experience that. But here, we're not going to have it. So he's poking us, trying to get our attention. Um, and then also, it's the, the other end of the spectrum is like, he talks about, my son, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. And so, you know, the other aspect of it is like, you know what, I'm entrenched myself. I'm a, like Solomon, I'm trying to find every, there, there has to be one loophole. There just has to be. So I'm going to read books till I exhaust to be the one to find it. it it's not there. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't do it. Don't go down that route of just trying to, you know, be a, a student and, and figure out just the, the loophole that, that doesn't exist. Because again, it's all vanity. You're going to waste your time doing it. And before you know it, you're going to die. And it's like, Okay, I didn't find it, just like nobody else has found it. Um, so, uh, Pastor Peter, what does it what does it say to conclude that in verse thirteen and fourteen for us? Yeah, he says the end of the matter. He says after all has been heard is this: fear God and keep His commandments. For this, and I love this phrase, is the whole duty of man. Yeah. So you're sitting out there, you're going, well, what does God want from me? Right there, Solomon just told you: fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. And for us, fearing God begins with a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, right. through faith and repentance, and through coming to, to, to salvation, being saved. Uh, that's the beginning of that. And then the rest of it is living a life aware that of what he goes on to say next. He says in verse 14, 4, 
Why fear God and keep his commandments? Because God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Paul picks up this concept in 2 Corinthians 5.10. He says that as believers, we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what is due for what we have done in the body, whether good or evil. And so, man, as you think about your life, um, you know, you can live your life, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die with that mindset and just say, well, I want to enjoy as much happiness and pleasure as I can under, this, under the sun for now and then figure the rest out later. That's not the answer. Um, Solomon is going to tell you that that will not satisfy. We've seen countless examples of other people since Solomon who will, would tell you the same thing. That's not going to satisfy. Uh, my mind always goes to Robin Williams. Yeah. Here's a guy who had, who had a maid. I mean, he was a, a successful actor, comedian on top of that, yeah. funny guy, made people laugh for a living, by all accounts, had a good marriage, a good family, was living in a nice place, had the possessions, had the money thing taken care of, yeah. and he ended his life because he couldn't find meaning and fulfillment and satisfaction here. Man, if you want that, if you want that meaning, fulfillment, and satisfaction, Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes could not be more clear. It's looking and beginning with God, beginning with your mortality, beginning at the end, saying, I'm going to have to stand before this God eventually, and asking yourself the question, how should I then live? Yeah. Which boils down to fear God and keep his commandments. Yeah, and the one challenge I'll, I'll throw out there is um, if you hadn't had a chance to study this book, spend some time in it. Um, grab some commentaries uh, and read it slow and really just soak it in and, and chew on it a little bit. Uh, again, it's not a read the first time. You're not going to be like, yay, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, but it's there for a reason. God has given us this warning and, uh, and, and explained the purpose for life for us very well in this book. So spend some time on it and challenge yourself by reading Ecclesiastes. And let me recommend a book for you in that pursuit. It's called Living Life Backwards by David Gibson. Living Life Backwards. David Gibson is the author. Uh, very readable, um, great uh, kind of more of a devotional commentary on the book of Ecclesiastes, but uh, will cause you to think and will challenge you, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. So, well, men, we hope you've enjoyed this episode as we have uh, considered vanity and we have considered uh, what what it means that uh, this life is temporal and none of us know if tomorrow is guaranteed. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, how should we then live? And Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes uh, he answers that question for us, that we need to fear God and keep his commandments. So we'll be praying for you men this week as you strive to do that, as you continue to live your life as quality men of God. 